marginal productivity of capital. Over to Professor. Thank you, Sandeep. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> if you look up your uh, folder, then it's lecture five, halfway into the course. The title of the lecture is Productivity of Capital. This we put in <coughs> relation with the previous chapter, which we had some time ago already, on time preference, lecture four. And I just very briefly recall that in lecture four we discussed, in fact, marginal time preference, and the arbitrage, that's the important, that's the key word, arbitrage of the marginal bondholder between the bond market and the gold market. And we explained how this particular arbitrage will regulate the floor of the range in which the rate of interest may vary. So there is a floor, and obviously there is going to be a ceiling. So what we talk about in this chapter, in this lecture, lecture five, is going to be the ceiling of the range in which <coughs> the rate of interest may vary. And again, it's going to be an arbitrage operation. So the treatment of the two problems, how the floor is formed and how the ceiling is formed, the treatment is the same. The methodology is the same. We are looking for an arbitrage and arbitrageur will be again a marginal actor who, whose action doing the arbitrage will form the ceiling of the rate of interest. Or in terms of the bond price, when you say ceiling, it connotes with the lower end of the range in which the bond, so say the bottom or the minimum of the uh, bond price. But our reference is really to the rate of interest, so here we are talking about the ceiling. And when you talk about arbitrage, the next question is always, well, arbitrage between what? Two markets you have to name. And in this case, one market is the bond market, same what we had in the previous lecture on marginal time preference. But the other market is going to be different. It is, let's just call it for the sake of simplicity, stock market. <coughs> but it's not exactly the same but commonly called the stock market. Here we are talking about really the market for 
factors of production, physical facilities which you need in order to go into production. So that includes buildings and tools, equipment, and other factors which go into actual uh, production effort. And the actor who's doing the arbitrage <coughs> will call <coughs> excuse me, will call the marginal entrepreneur. So again, to define what we mean by the marginal entrepreneur, we have to survey all entrepreneurs from the very efficient ones, the top quality entrepreneurs, all the way down to the other extreme, the sub-marginal or even the failing entrepreneurs. They are also there and we rank them according to their productivity. I don't think I have to say too much about this, that if you take two entrepreneurs, you can compare their productivity. It's easy, to, you just watch how they are doing their business and then you can decide which of the two is more productive. So we assume that we have already done that, we have lined up all the entrepreneurs, we have ranked them, and now what we realize is that the marginal productivity is going to be just one particular productivity. But here we have lots of different productivities. Which one is going to be the marginal? Well, it's going to be the entrepreneur who is just about either leaving the rank of entrepreneurs or entering. In other words, the marginal entrepreneur is the one who is just at the margin. It, it just make it or just doesn't make it, depending which direction the marginal productivity is moving. So there is going to be a particular entrepreneur and his productivity is what we call the marginal productivity of capital. Okay, the marginal productivity of capital. It is the marginal entrepreneur who is just, who has just made it or has just failed to make it. At the margin, at this delicate point where he has to make a decision. What is he doing? He is doing arbitrage between <coughs> the bond market and stock market. So the way to look at it is this. The interest rate is varying. It may move up or it may move down. Let's assume that the interest rate moves up. This is good news or bad news to our marginal fellow if the interest rate moves up. 
Well, in a way, it's bad news. Why is it bad news for him? Because it means that he has just failed. He's, he cannot vary his own productivity because he would have to increase his productivity to keep abreast with the rate of interest. But the rate of interest has bypassed him, left him behind. So he, at that point he gives up. He says, sorry, I can't compete. I'm going to sell my equipment, plant, or at least stop maintaining them. You have to understand that this is this is an abstract description of what happens in reality. So, of necessity, we are simplifying things. And we just say that he's selling the stock, okay, to, to describe all this, that he winds up his productive activities, he's um, selling the building, the plant, the warehouse, whatever else belongs to it, and the tools even if it's scrap value. Or it could be also that he has future hopes and therefore he's not selling it, but at least he will certainly stop maintaining these productive facilities because he's not going, he's going out of production without any question. But as I say, to simplify the model, we'll talk about selling the stock and on the other side of the arbitrage buying the bond because the remember the rate of interest has gone up which which put him out of business so his response is buy the bond which is going to pay him an income the interest the, interest income and he won't have to worry about payroll, labor problems, strike or uh, disasters or insurance or nothing. He just buy the, buys the bond and is clipping the coupons. As simple as that. Uh, so he is not totally out of business but in a way it's an admission of failure. He left the ranks of the entrepreneurs, he became a sub-marginal entrepreneur, but at the same time he is now a bondholder. Now, if too many of these entrepreneurs leave the rank of entrepreneurs, because the rate of interest is persistently rising, the more and more and more entrepreneurs become sub-marginal, then this could put a break on the rise of the rate of interest. And it could in fact turn around and come back. And as it does, some of these former entrepreneurs might be ready to go back into production especially those who didn't sell uh, their uh, plant and equipment, they just stopped maintaining them. They were waiting for the moment, for the chance to come back. So as the rate of interest 
declines now after too many of these entrepreneurs left the ranks, then uh, the, the, uh, uh, the some of these mar some of these sub-marginal entrepreneurs may find themselves in the position once more where they can make more money in production. So what will they do at this point? Okay, what will they do? Sell the bonds. And Sell the bond, use the proceeds. And go back in. To, to, uh, to get ready for production, which means they will have to uh, maybe buy some new equipment. Uh, so they will be more productive. And uh, then restart their productive effort. So that's the other side of the arbitrage. On the one side, they sold stocks, bought bonds when interest rates went too high up. But then when interest rate comes back, then they sell the bond and buy the stock. That's again, you know, the oversimplified language. It covers quite a, quite a lot of ground, but for sake of simplicity, we just say, sell the bond, buy the stock, or the other way around. <clears throat> so you see that the ceiling, I'm sorry, yeah, that's right, the ceiling of the rate of interest is this marginal productivity of capital, which depends on the marginal uh, entrepreneur who is trying to find his place underneath the sun, the point where he can enter or re-enter the rank of entrepreneurs <coughs> and compete successfully with the rest of them and earn more than a bond yield would have given them. So that's the motivation, you see. He is at the margin, so if interest rate comes down, it may just be his chance to beat the bond market and show a better return in productive activities than he had just by sitting there and Clipping coupons of the bond, you know. All right, now, to distinguish these two important arbitrage operations, the one previous lecture, the marginal bondholder is doing arbitrage between which two markets? Which two? Gold coin and bond. That's right, the gold market and the bond market, that was one. And here is the second example, very important example of arbitrage operations, which is being done by the marginal entrepreneur, is between which two markets? Bond market and production. Uh, the bond market, and I, for the sake of simplicity, I'll call it the stock market. So arbitrage between this. So I'm going to use, and if you look up the, uh, 
the lecture notes. This is the language which is used there. I'm talking about horizontal arbitrage and vertical arbitrage. The horizontal arbitrage is that of the marginal bond holder. He's in and out of the bond market and he would take refuge in the gold market <coughs> if the ceiling, if the floor, <coughs> if the uh, if the rate of interest was pushed below the floor, then he sells his bond and takes refuge in the gold market. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, when we talk about the ceiling of the range in which the interest rate may move, then <coughs> what we see is, <coughs> excuse me, it's the marginal entrepreneur, and if the rate of interest is going too far, passing the point of marginal productivity of capital, then he is selling stock and buying the bond, takes refuge in the bond market. Some of them will come back when interest rates are returning to a, um, to uh, the range between the two extremes. But some of them may not, and they will just quit the rank of entrepreneurs. But it's helpful to distinguish between two, these two arbitrage operators by referring to them as horizontal and vertical. Now, <coughs> this discussion what I've just gone through can be summarized in the following definition. And this is page 24, if you want to follow it. The italics, I'm, I'm just reading this sentence because this is a key sentence. It defines the ceiling of, for the rate of interest. The ceiling for the rate of interest is determined by the rate of marginal productivity of capital. That is the rate at which the opportunity cost of controlling ownership in productive enterprise becomes critical to the marginal entrepreneur. At the next uptick in the rate of interest, he will sell the stock in his own enterprise in view of his opportunity to carry his earning assets in the form of bonds. So that's a formalized way of stating what I have explained in so many more words. Uh, but uh, the, the point of this formalized language is that we can see how this idea applies to different situations. I could have stated it that way for the uh, for the floor of the rate of interest. I didn't, but as an exercise you could try and then compare when you look it up how it is 
uh, done. And that's not all. There are other situations where marginality or marginalism comes in, and it's always an arbitrage, and it's always an actor, marginal, whoever, could be bondholder, could be a marginal uh, entrepreneur, and even marginal shopkeeper, or marginal miner, or marginal farmer, or marginal laborer. All, all these concepts come on the same pattern. And economics is a wonderful uh, discipline because <laughs> rather than watching millions of laborers, millions of entrepreneurs, millions of bondholders, you've got to watch just one in each case. Okay, In the case of the uh, ceiling for the rate of interest, it's the marginal entrepreneur you have to watch. You see, this is a wonderful simplification. You don't have to collect statistics. You can just ignore the others. There are others. There are lots of more productive entrepreneurs, lots of less productive. These are the submarginal ones. They are idle, at least temporarily. But you can ignore them for the purpose of the study because it's always the action of just the one, the marginal actor. And from the actions of this marginal act, uh, participant, you can derive the whole theory. This is the idea, this is how modern subjective economics approaches the subject, rather than looking for equi equilibria and uh, supply and demand, and these are really uh, concepts which uh, are ill-defined, uh, to say the least. We have discussed this already in the case of prices, that supply and demand are very hazy, very hazy concepts. Now, the same thing here. But when it comes to uh, subjective economics, it's not equilibrium we look for. It's not the uh, supply and demand of capital or bonds or labor or what have you. But it is just the two extremes, the floor and the ceiling, and then we see the interplay. And we, what we have to study, it's also uh, prescribes what our job is as an economist, because it will tell you that you've got to concentrate on these two things and see how these are formed, in particular how the floor for the rate of interest and the ceiling of the rate of interest are formed. And you will find that they are different. They are not the same as, as we have gone through this. Now looking back, the marginal bondholder is a very different type of marginal operation than the marginal entrepreneur. But formally, it's the same. In both cases, there's arbitrage, there are two markets, and so on. Now, there is a concept 
<coughs> in economics, which is very important and very often misunderstood. And I'm referring to the word profit, which is used in a rather loose sense, which is, uh, which is not good. It's, uh, it's, we should have a very clear idea, really, what uh, profit is. So we'll take care and uh, we'll call it pure entrepreneurial profit. This is uh, how Israel Kuzner, who taught at New York University for many, many years. He retired uh, quite some time ago, and he has several books on the subject. And that's how he refers to it. And this is a very useful concept, because most of the authors use the concept profit loosely. And under profit, they include a lot of things which don't belong there, such as overhead, uh, cost of hiring a manager, or uh, uh, in other words, rather than talking about the net profit, they talk about gross profits, which is confusing the issue completely, because obviously you have to have uh, uh, overhead, you have to pay wages, and so on. And you cannot just lump all this together and say that's Profit. You sure there's gross uh, uh, profit, but that's not a useful concept. You've got to separate. You've got to get rid of what doesn't belong there, and uh, then you have the what uh, Israel Kuzner called and we call the pure entrepreneurial profit, and this is really at the heart of the matter, because pure entrepreneurial profits are not for everybody. It's something very special, something which is very volatile. It could come and go, disappear. And the sharp-eyed entrepreneur is like the early bird who will catch the worm. And once the early, the early bird catches the worm, the latecomers will be disappointed. They will not get the worm. And uh, because the pure entrepreneurial profit, the, the worm, disappeared. The early birds had the picking, and after that, it's too bad. You are too late. So. <clears throat> Pure entrepreneurial profits are the engine behind economic progress. A lot of people are attracted by the idea that if, you, if they are early, if they are nimble, if they are smart, if they can react, their reaction time is shorter than the other guys, uh, in short, they, are, they have all these entrepreneurial qualities, then they can earn pure entrepreneurial profits. But if they fail on one or more of these properties, then 
they will never earn. It doesn't mean that they are complete failures, but they are not going to be the leaders. They are not going to dictate the pace, because it's always the early bird. It's always the most um, uh, perspicuous uh, entrepreneur who sees farther, who can calculate, who sees more steps ahead than the other one, and so on. And he is going to dictate the pace. And the rest are just followers, but this one is the leader. Now, what we have to observe is that entrepreneurs are doing arbitrage on three levels. Uh, they are, number one, financing their acquisition of firms or plants or tools, which is described as vertical arbitrage between the stock and the bond market. It's, it's an abstract concept for the sake of simplification. We just call it that. Arbitrage between stock and bond market. Second, the arbitrageurs do, I'm sorry, the, uh, the entrepreneurs are doing arbitrage in refinancing their ownership of stocks, which is a horizontal arbitrage. Uh, now, what you have to uh, uh, understand by this is that there are mergers or there are uh, you can spin off <clears throat> an operation for instance you could uh, be manufacturing uh, uh, ball bearings and then uh, you do the manufacturing balls in house but then the arbitrageur decides that it could be farmed out. Could, so you discontinue the manufacturing balls and let another firm, you spin off that uh, arm of your operations and let another firm do it. It might be advantageous, might not be, but it, this is the type of uh, 